Smith screen. Hoji will defend. Oh! LeBron James, the record for human life, has given the Cavaliers their biggest lead tonight. All right, everybody. Welcome to an episode of the Wall Street Journal podcast. We're at an undisclosed location in Philly. Can't give out the details, but we have me, Nishant, and Deep in person together after some time. First time since second July. First yeah. pod. <laughs> it's been a long time. And shout out to the Low Post podcast that they did recently with Zach, Rachel, and Howard Beck, and the Road Tripping podcast. We are having out consuming out adult beverages <laughs> and doing this pod. Sandy's having some wine because he's classy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nishan's having some. Uh, Another adult beverage. <laughs> it's a little fruitier. I'm being the most classy and having a Bud Light. <laughs> but uh, guys, the, so the offseason's come down to an end pretty much. Everything's winded down. So I just thought we could go over some winners and losers. And just to let the audience know, we haven't told each other who our winners and losers are of the offseason. So if we may have some of the same, but we don't know. But let's just roll with it. So I'll start out with you, Deep. Who, who's your first winner? My first winner is... Obviously, the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> and know that we're not trying to repeat repeat winners and losers. So, obviously, I know a Jays winner is going to be Lakers. So, I'm going to take it first. But, obviously, the big winner is LeBron. How do you think this is going to affect him next season? Uh, well, I think he, he did an interview recently. And he came out. And so, Rachel Nichols straight up asked him. It's like, why didn't you force the team to trade for Kawhi? And he's like, I love the young guys. Which I kind of believe, but then she asked him about the free agent signings right after him, such as Lance, Beasley, JaVale, and Rondo. All guys with character questions and questionable personalities, we don't know how they'll mesh. And he just told her, hey, I think they all love to play basketball and that's the type of people I want. I don't know if I believe that answer as much, as I, but I do think he's going to love playing with young guys. And I think he's a winner because uh, his family's going to be happy, Savannah's going to be happy. He's, I mean, we've already seen it this summer, he's able to go to all these things for his son. I think like that kind of dad influence is you just can't compare when you're such a busy NBA player for the last you know, 15 years. But do you think he'll actually be successful playing in Los Angeles? Because every successful team he's had in the past was, all right, I'm going to go in the post, I'm going to play mid range, I'm going to kick it out to a shooter. I mean, who who's the best shooter on Los Angeles Lonzo. right now? Definitely <laughs> not Lonzo. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I mean this. I know a lot of people make that argument, but that's. I kind of initially I agreed, but then it, it, as people kept saying it, I was like, I think we're not giving LeBron enough credit because we're saying LeBron only knows how to play one way. And I mean, this guy's like probably like first or second greatest player of all time. And that's just, we're just assuming like he can't play, he can only play one way and he can't play in a new system or he can't adapt to a system. I know everywhere he's gone, he's just, the system has become him. But he's never also had young guys like this, like ta- like four talented young guys with Kuzma, Alonzo, Harden, uh, and Booby Gibson. Wow, <laughs> so disrespectful. He's never had four young guys like this. And I mean, we just have to see, right? We can't, I mean, it's initially, yeah, it's like, oh, where's the shooters for LeBron? But you never know. You can always sign those shooters in the middle of the season. Last year, the Sixers picked up Ilya Sova and Bellinelli off the buyout market. So your team's never complete in July. That's the thing. But we'll see. I mean, I, I, I'm excited. We, we don't know how it's going to be. I think there's definitely going to be rough patches. It's not going to be smooth sailing. I think the first season with LeBron on a new team is never smooth sailing. It's never off to a hot start until yeah. like January or February when they figure it out. And it makes sense because Magic was like, you know, 2019 is the year. I mean, he probably knew LeBron was coming, but maybe nobody else. And so he said, <laughs> you know, 2019 is our year because 
I mean, that's when they're going to try to attract some of the free agents. Yeah, I mean, what they, the good part is all these contracts are one year, so. All right, Nishan, so who's your first winner? So my first winner is Russell Westbrook. I think there's a lot oh, of Oh, you're going about, player instead of team. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think there's been a lot said about he the He didn't expect that. <laughs> out of left field. There's been a lot said about, you know, players and being able to play with Russell Westbrook and wanting to play with Russell Westbrook. And that's the biggest thing, right? We've seen so many guys that he's butted head with, heads with, whether it was Reg Jackson or, you know, the Miss Katie situation. Uh, and probably even some somewhat of like the James Harden situation because they had to share a lot of minutes. But finally, there's a guy who believes in him, believes in the brotherhood and stayed, even though maybe it wasn't the best basketball decision. And I mean, unless OKC has something that I don't know about, probably wasn't the best life decision. But Paul George believes in it. Was there a better basketball decision for, for him to make? I mean, it's not like he was going to join the Warriors or Houston. He could have joined. I mean, he was a free agent. He could have yeah. done whatever he wanted. He yeah. could have taken a pay cut. Taken. He could have gotten. Well, no. Cut. So like basketball wise. I think OKC probably sets him up for the most success. More so I think going to the East probably yeah. would have I mean, set he could have, he could have very easily just slotted straight in there in Philly, played with Simmons and Embiid. Could they played. actually afford him? Yeah, yeah they, they had a max spot available. They, they were actually ready to go after LeBron. And he's a loser, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Russell Westbrook, I mean, finally showing that he can keep talent around him. And for four years. And for four years. It was in a one-year contract, yeah. But I mean, what I'm interested to see is now they also got... My, the Thunder was actually one of my winners too. Um, I know we said Russ, and part of the reason why I thought a winner was because of Russ and the fact that Deshaun, they somehow managed to trade Carmelo. Like they didn't even have to buy him, stretch his contract and buy him out and have him on the books for like three, four years coming up. They straight up traded him and got his contract off the books. They somehow convinced Atlanta to take his contract and they stretched him. And, and on top of that, yeah, they, point guard they got Schroeder on top of that. I mean, he he's also getting Rich paid Jackson. 15 million a year. Rich Jackson number two. That, that's what I'm interested to see. Now, can Schroeder, he's going to be a backup point guard, but I wonder if they can ever run lineups with maybe Schroeder, Russ, PG, Jeremy Grant, or Robertson and Adams. Like, I wonder if Schroeder and uh, Westbrook can play together. Yeah. What's I mean, he, what's oh. he actually good at? Shooter. <laughs> he's good at driving. The, I mean, he's not the greatest shooter, but you he's just, good at driving. You just straight up. I mean, like so, like every 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 player kind of gets labeled something, right? As a point yeah. guard, you're either a shooting point guard, or you're either a playmaking. I mean, point he's, guard, he's a scoring first or point. you're he's a score first point guard. Okay, so that's what he is. So yeah. I I don't know if it works best with him and Russ in the same lineup. But maybe you could get Russ off the ball, like back when he, when James Harden used to run some of the offense, or when Reggie yeah. Jackson used to run some of the offense. I think this is actually been a perfect offseason for the Thunder and, and Russell Westbrook because he's gotten some additional talent, young talent. Hopefully it'll work out with the situation, but he got to keep Paul George, which is like the most important thing. Yeah. But along the lines, while we're on the topic, my second winner is Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> and the reason for this is this guy was able to make more money next year than he was because now he's moving to Texas. There's no state tax. Oh, right, yeah. He gave up some money, you know, with the buyout in Atlanta, but it was just the same amount that he's yeah. going to be getting. Yeah. He with, gave up the veteran's minimum amount. He knew he's going to sign. So this guy's a straight up winner. Wait, he gave up two mil in his buyout? Yeah. We How much do, how much do the Nets give to Dwight Howard in his buyout? Like eight yeah, Dwight, mil? Yeah, Dwight Howard gave oh up more than five million dollars. He only gave up two million in his buyout. And now he's going to stay without state tax. He's going to be balling in money playing with one of his best friends. I mean, Carmelo Anthony's a winner, winner. Yeah. And the best thing is he's going to a situation where all his competition kind of dried out. Arise is gone. Mambute is gone. <laughs> yeah. The only person he's really competing with is PJ Tucker for minutes. Yeah, that's exactly. And yeah, I mean, the way the Rockets play, they can even play Melo and PJ Tucker at the same time. Exactly. And uh, so maybe they have Gerald Green what's, maybe competing what's for What's he going to play in Houston three or four? How, I mean, they're probably going to start Paul Harden, uh, then Tucker and Har- Melo. 
Yeah, because I think Melho's made it very, very clear he does he's not interested in coming off the bench. So I don't think that's an option for him. I don't know. Everyone always says he's a loser. He needs to, to me, listen. Uh, he needs to listen to that speech LeBron gave to those kids. That's what he needs to do. <laughs> oh yeah, he said if you if you don't have one if you don't want to have a role, play tennis or golf. Yeah. I thought that was amazing by LeBron. <laughs> but all right, so coming to my first winner, the team that I love this offseason was the Nets. So Deep, I know you're gonna love. I'm gonna let you like explain. I'm gonna let you explain some of the moves, but I'll just get started off with what they did. So they got rid of Moskov's contract. He had two years left at 16 million dollars each season. So they got 32 million dollars off the books. Traded him to Charlotte for some reason. Uh, Mitch Kupchak loves Moskov. He's a GM <laughs> on the Hornets. Got Moskov back. And then so on top of that. They got Dwight Howard. They got Dwight Howard to give back some money, as we were saying, mm-hmm. for a stretch him. So he's not on the he's on the books for like three more years, but it's at a reduced amount because they stretched him. And now they have cap space for a max uh, free agent next year. Two. Two. Oh, really? Wow. Okay, that's even better. And um, what Sean Marks and Trajan Langdon are doing there is just incredible and deep. You were telling me how they basically fleeced the Portland Trailblazers, right? So explain, like, what basically got Shabazz. Alan Crabb and a draft pick for essentially $2 million when everything settled, plus whatever the contract for uh, Alan Crabb is. And they basically gave up like a second round pick for the whole thing. So I don't know what's going on in the front office in Portland, but this is just payback for the egregious trade that Billy King did with Gerald Wallace back in the day. Yeah. Still salty about it because Dame Lillard could be on our team instead. Yeah, lost the pick that led to Dame. And- Congrats, you guys are finally going to have your first round pick next year in 2019. And an 8th round playoff seed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much since Sean Marks took over, like, given the limited resources that he's had, yeah. he's pretty much done whatever, the, like, the most that you could do with, like, that. The only mistake, obviously, I do have to remind you, he did give up a first round pick in the Brook Lopez deal that didn't lead to Kyle Kuzma. So that yeah, might have just been... Yeah, uh, just can't <laughs> let me go one day without reminding you. <laughs> that might have been his only mistake. But, uh, Sadeep, do you have any... Who's your first loser this offseason? My first loser would probably be Philly, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, did, I had them too. I yeah. mean... You did, yeah, but I guess all three of them. They, what did they do to improve themselves above last season? I mean... Not much. If anything, if anything, Toronto might actually still maintain their status. We know Boston's probably going to end up number one, so... What they're going to stay number three, but didn't really add anything to, to combat what Toronto or, or Boston has done. Yeah, I mean they struck out big time this offseason because they didn't get Paul George or LeBron James or they, Kawhi or Kawhi. They didn't get any of those. They're pretty much rolling it back with Simmons and B. But then and they brought back JJ, mm-hmm. but they lost uh, Ilya Sova and Bellinelli. They did get Wilson Chandler. They got Wilson Chandler. So basically they got him, and then the guy they signed to kind of replace Ilya Sova, Bielitsa from the Timberwolves. <laughs> He t- backed out of his contract and told them he's going to stay in Europe. And somehow, Vladi Divac called him. <laughs> and he convinced him to sign a four-year deal to play with the Kings. Like, all in, like, a couple days. I don't know what Vladi told the Elisa, but he told him, like, yo, don't stay in Europe. Come to Europe. How much of it do you think was because of the Colangelo situation? Um, I mean, I'm sure that played a part. I don't know, Michelle, what do you think? I mean, there's going to be repercussions of all the all the stuff that happened with Brian Colangelo. I think the biggest problem with them is they took the... They didn't figure out what the identity of the team was. I think if they wanted Brett Brown to be the guy who's making all the decisions, they should have just given him the title of, you know, president or uh, president of basketball operations. But instead, they were having him make some of the decisions while they were looking for a president. Like they didn't, they just weren't able to make a pitch for any of these guys or make any cohesive decisions because there was no one person making the decisions. And I think that was the ultimate loss that they had 
if by day day five after Colangelo was gone, if they had hired someone, had an identity, was someone that Brett Brown liked, and they were yeah. like talking, they could have had a much stronger pitch for Paul George, LeBron James, or they could have leveraged some of their future to try to get a guy like Kawhi, but they just didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have an identity. And I think that was ultimately what, what led them to a loss for this summer. But it also gives them flexibility next year um, when a lot of other guys are on the, up, open for the book. So if they have another great season, this summer may have just been one of those, they had to do poorly this summer so that they can have money for next year and they just go out and kill and get one more year. Embiid and uh, Simmons like sort of maturing and being able to attract more of those guys well, in. I don't want to keep trashing the Sixers because they do have Markel Fultz coming back and point. Yeah. for those of us who listen to the Philly sports radio there have been a lot of good good talks coming about Bolts coming coming into training camp yeah. so you know that that just given how much he's played last season it's just a addition to their team more than anything so for all we know they could actually be better than they were last season yeah no that's an excellent point yeah Bolts is like the number one pick that they, the guy that they thought he was when they picked him number one that's a major addition in itself because he pretty much gave them nothing last year except for that triple double Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you never know. I mean, sometimes you could sign these big stars and it could stunt the growth of Simmonton and B. So maybe, like, it could be a blessing in disguise for them that the fact that you just let Simmonton and B keep growing because they're like, they seem like two bona fide superstars as long as they're healthy. Yeah, and if they got someone that was a big name that was a little bit older, though, their window for a championship would have shrunk. And now they still have unlimited potential going forward. So they're going to have to sign Simmons, what, in a season or two? Uh, yeah. So, and Embiid's well, yeah, already signed. Yeah, his, already uh, signed. his new max extension starts this year. Yeah. But yeah, Nishan, who's your first, uh, first loser? So my first loser is Demar. Okay. Uh, the, the player trend <laughs> is too much now. But, but the reason for this is that you know I think he's going to a good opportunity, and you could say whether Toronto or you know the Spurs who the real losers are. But the reason why I say it for Demar is because he loved that city. He loved that city. For those nine years that he was there, he, yep. he never, ever, ever once questioned himself moving out of the city and moving away from his best friend. I mean, there's uh, there's like always these reportings that like him and Kyle Lowry would be like working out together. They would like go home to their respective houses with their wives. And their moms. They go home together. <laughs> no, no, they would go home and, they would, and then they would FaceTime each other while they were at their own homes. Like these guys were best friends and like to split them up the way that it has. I mean. It's good that they have the summer. They're still spending a lot of time with Team USA, but next year is going to be very different for 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 Demar. And the reason why he's a loser is because it caught him off guard, but also he's leaving the life that he wanted to live, and it was nothing no, nothing he did wrong in my opinion. Well, yeah. Do you think he'll have more success in Toronto or in San Antonio? It depends on what you define as success. I feel like for him, championships were important, but also living a life that he enjoyed was equally as important. Okay. Do you think he'll have? basketball success in San Antonio <laughs> Toronto. I think in terms of his statistical numbers, he may take a little bit of a hit, but he's going to be in a better, hopefully a better situation. Yeah. But he's also moving to the Western Conference, so I don't see the Spurs getting out of the Western Conference, you know? And so he may not have that first seed that he did with Toronto. I mean, Spurs last season were, what, one or two games out from the fourth seed? Yeah, I mean, a three through eight was super bunched up last year. The Portland Trailblazers were the three seed with 48 yeah. wins. And like, but that's also Demar not get them two extra wins that nine games of Kawhi could get them? But that's deceptive because like, you know, yeah, they may finish as a third seed, but does anyone really think they're going to make it out of the West? Like, does, does anyone think that they're going to be able to beat a Houston or let alone like the Warriors? Oh, no, no. No one's yeah. beating them. Like, that's a given. For the next two years, it's going to be Houston and Houston, uh, Cold State. Nah, don't count on the Lakers. Oh. <laughs> don't Who, say next two years. Okay, you know, that's another conversation. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it just, the guy didn't even take a meeting with his free agency here. He didn't take a meeting with anybody else. There were rumors he may come back to LA to play for the Lakers, but he said, I'm going to stay in Toronto. I mean, granted, they also offered him, they were the, the only two that the maxi style like, yeah. money, so. Alright, so my first loser for this uh, offseason was actually the Timberwolves. Um, mm. I'm not really liking the direction of where this team is going. So what direction is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Good point. Good point. So first, Jimmy Butler, they offered him a contract extension. He refused it, and part of that is because he didn't make one of the All NBA teams this year. So if he makes it next year, he can obviously make more money. So financially, it didn't make sense. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, if he was committed to Minnesota, he, maybe he would have signed it. I feel like it's also because he's not fully committed there. There's rumors that he doesn't like the way that Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins play, like their effort on defense, and just like the way they prepare for games, which, I mean, you know, Jimmy's like a super intense which guy. Which is by playing Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy's a super intense guy, and these two aren't like very, they're young guys, and they're not preparing like the way Jimmy wants them to. And then on top of that, they're already regretting the extension that they gave Wiggins last summer, five years, 140. That already seems like an albatross contract, <laughs> unless Wiggins somehow like improves or turns into a different guy than what he already is. Like we know he can score, but nothing else. Like what's the difference between him and Zach Levine? Like I don't see anything. <laughs> Isn't his defense supposed to be good? It's supposed to be good. I mean, he has all the intangibles, but he's not. He's not actually good at defense. Is it like an effort thing, or? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, you have Tibbs as your coach, so you should be able to play defense. Like at least know, like you know, he's being coached on how to play defense. Yeah. yeah. And he has all these physical tools, but... And also when you're playing like, you know, 40, 42 minutes a game, I mean, it's hard to put your effort in on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like, use defense to kind of give yourself a breather. Yeah. And then the third part is, like, they still haven't locked up Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, this guy... So he was the same draft class as Devin Booker. Devin Booker's already signed his, like, max extension. And Towns is, is like, a better player than Booker. And... It's just weird that he hasn't signed an extension yet. There's like rumors. I mean, he can't, he can't really leave even if he wanted to. He's only going to be a restricted free agent next year, so the Timberwolves can match any offer. But I just find you, I don't know where that team is going. I feel like they're combustible, like at any point, like Tib with Tibbs and the way he's coaching them, and I feel like they're, they're not getting along. And then they brought back Derrick Rose for some reason, still not understanding why. I feel like Tyus Jones should just be the backup to uh, Jeff T. But I don't know why. Tibbs obviously loves this guy. He's brought back Derrick Rose. So now this is the stereotypical. We were talking about like you know how Philly was a loser. I think this is a stereotypical situation. You had a young team with young guys, and then you had all these veterans come in, and the veterans aren't happy with like the way the team is. Whether it's Jimmy and Jeff Teague, or the Sixers have brought somebody else in, and you can just see the complete explosion that. The team rules attached from a team that should have had a lot of success to a team that now has a very little promise. Exactly. So, all right, who's your uh, second winner now? My second winner is probably hate me for saying it, the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, they gave up Demar, and Masai is now entering a snake category that only is inhabited <laughs> by Katie at this moment. Um, snakes in the grass. <laughs> snakes in the tall grass, man. But. I mean, so they gave up Demar, big loss for the team, but got back Kawhi, and the most underrated removal they have is LeBron James. So they have no reason not to make it past at least one or two rounds of the playoffs this year. I think just based off the talent they have, I don't know what this Nick Nurse coach is going to be doing. I don't know if he's any better than Dwayne Casey, but with supposedly better talent now that they brought in Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, they should be in East Conference Finals team. 
Yeah, I mean, provided Kawhi's committed there and he actually tries and he wants to play. And how Larry's still engaged. Yeah, that, that, I, that's a very good point. I don't mm. know how Larry's going to yeah, react to this. That. Like, DeRozan yeah. was his best friend. And he hasn't said anything publicly so far. Yeah, and it's, I mean, he's still got to play out his contract, but it kind of, I feel like it, when you see your best friend get treated like that, it, it definitely does, has to affect you. And then, you, it, you know, leads to like you, for you, Lowry to have less trust in, in the Raptors himself. And like you said, a new coach there, no Dwayne Casey, so he's got to deal with the new coach, new uh, teammate. But Nick Nurse is with the team, so it's not it's not something completely. New. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I, I thought the rap and uh, but, rappers were winning too, and the fact that they got Danny Green in that trade too. Yeah. No one talks about that except I, for his brain injury. <laughs> but I think they should have the same success, if not more success, than they've had last year. That's, that's how I feel like. That's at least Kawhi's in the court. At least Kawhi's yeah. plays and plays well. Unless they draw like the Celtics in the second round, which, I mean, they lose the Celtics, that is. Well, the second round probably won't happen. If, Celt- if, if we're projecting one and two, or at least one and three. That's true, yeah. That, I don't, I don't, they're not going to see them at least until the third round. But, you know, it's still, I think it's a big win for the entire, maybe that's a big winner. The entire Eastern Conference is a big winner that LeBron left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure all these uh, coaches and GMs in the Eastern Conference are doing jumping jacks now. <laughs> yeah. All right, so who's your second winner? So my second winner, or my third winner, because we already went over the Lakers, we all had winners, uh, is the Golden State Warriors. And I think it's very easy for them. <laughs> Bro, come, are you serious? It's very easy for them to be winners. And it's not because they got Warriors, boogie. Warriors keep winning. <laughs> it's not because they got boogie. It's not. It's because they were able to keep the team together. And I think every year that they were able to keep their core together is a win. Whether it's last year they were able to you know, keep the core together. This year they re-signed Kitty to a one-on-one. Whatever. They were able to keep the core together. As long as this core stays together, it's really hard for someone to beat them. But the other reason why I think that they're big winners is I think the Rockets actually took a step back. And the, a lot of the Rockets' identity no, without a reason, without a reason, without Mamute. I think mm-hmm. a lot of their identity was defense, and they were the, they were the team that was kind of knocking on the door, being like, "If there's anyone that's going to take out the Warriors, it'll be us." And so I think it was more of like an addition by subtraction for the other teams, you know. Yeah. And also like now they won't have to like go up against LeBron. You're going to say that about Carmelo LeBron. Anthony? What? Yeah. Addition I mean, by I'm... subtraction. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he's subtraction by addition. It's fine. <laughs> the funniest part is it's like if the Rockets sign, wait, once they sign Melo, their odds of winning the championship actually goes down. <laughs> Which is like absurd. But uh, but I mean, Melo's not going to give you the defensive intensity. We know. Yeah. It is what it is. And so I think in that way, the Warriors and the Warriors yeah. are winners. And he's got. <laughs> <laughs> small little. Uh, we have a little situation now. <laughs> Ajay's too uh, inebriated. Ajay's uh, drank a little too much Bud Light. Oh man, it's that good old Bud Light. All right, continue. What were you saying? <laughs> small yeah, so I, and, I, and I think it's that having Boogie on the team will give the core a little bit of rest, which I think help. At this point, the only thing that's going to stop them from winning the championship should be help. And so if they got another guy who can be on the court. And, if you get Boogie on the court with four backup guys, and he could probably still put up points and give you numbers in order for you to win. Yeah. And so, I mean, how can the Warriors not be winners by keeping their team together? Yeah, I mean, but you, oh, speaking of, no one's talked about this yet, but they signed uh, like Jonas Jarepko, and I absolutely love that move. So, look, once again, smart ownership, smart management. They didn't sign Caspi and uh, Nick Young last year to multi-year deals, so even though they both didn't really help them, they're off the books. And then they brought in Jonas, uh, Jonas Jarepko, who could be kind of a replacement to Caspi. And when the Warriors, you know, they start resting their players and stuff, 
Jarepko can come in there, he can play multiple minutes, he can make three, stretch four, like that's exactly the type of player the Warriors love. And I was like, this is amazing. Like the Warriors just keep adding to their, their team. It's just Boogie, then Jarepko. Because everyone only talked about Boogie, but I was like, wait, they got Jarepko too. Alright, so uh, so we my winners were the Nets, then I had the Thunder Rap, we talked about that. And then Ashan, you're gonna love this one. I love what the Knicks did this offseason. So this is what you should do when you're a team without cap space, like the current offseason, and you don't really, your best player, like the Knicks, uh, Porzingis, you don't know when he's going to come back. And then the moves that they made, that this is what you should do when you aren't going anywhere, but you just take like chances and swings. And their offseason was already a win when they picked Kevin Knox, who looked amazing in summer league and the prototypical player that you want in today's NBA. Like a long, tall wing, can make threes, put the ball on the floor, and hopefully Pisdale coaches him on like how to play like great defense. And then a steal, it seems like, in the second round with Mitchell Robinson. Like this is the guy who was committed to Western Kentucky, didn't play, so he fell in the draft. The Knicks snatched him up, seven-footer, blocky shots, looks like like possibly like a Clint Capella. Two great moves there. And then they took a one-year... deal with Mario Hazonia and I feel like that's the moves you got to make when like it's been shown that when you pay, take a player or sign a player off his rookie contract who was a former lottery pick and you like they're it's almost like a reclamation project on their setting the deal that's when they could sometimes just explode so love that contract with Hazonia and they still have uh, Berg, Moutier and hopefully Fisdale can coach and help out uh, Neil Aquina what do you think about the big team? I mean, the thing about the Knicks is, regardless of what they do in the offseason, they're not going to have any real success until Porzingis comes back. And I don't think that's going to happen this season. So, whatever moves it's, they did this offseason, um, while I agree they were good, I just can't call them a winner because they're not going to flourish until next season. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, this comes back to what Deshaun was saying. It depends what you define success at. And if you want them to be a playoff team, they won't be that or like have wins. But... Say like they just like, didn't screw it up, so that's yeah, a win for them. Yeah, and they, and <laughs> which is a pretty good win for the Knicks. People are actually like in the first time talking about the Knicks, like in a long time, having us like a sense of direction and a place to go. Like we're associating guys like Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler with the Knicks, which we haven't done in a long time. I'm just hoping the Knicks get good so we can get a Nets Knicks rivalry again because <laughs> these Nets Knicks games are brutal right now. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? I know you're always guarded about the Knicks and Sean, but did you like what they did? This I time? mean, I think they did. Like you said, what the only thing that they could do, which is get cheap players, essentially have them play for a bigger contract. But the other thing is, you know, if any of these guys are hits, they don't have too much flexibility in terms of keeping them. If they want to go for a big superstar, which is always kind of, it's always kind of the trouble. Like they, they got Hazonia, they also got Noah Vonley, also another guy who's coming off his rookie contract. Right. Uh, you know, I think they're great moves. I think that if these guys hit, maybe they'll have some loyalty and take a little bit less money. But um, ultimately, I think, you know, until Porzingis comes back and Knox and Mitchell show what they're about, I mean, the Joakim Noah contract is just going to hold them back. And when that comes off the books, maybe they can do something. Yeah, I mean, luckily, next it's one more year because in 2019, he'll be an expiring. So right. that's, they should be able to get rid of him. They can always trade him to an Atlanta or like one of these teams. That or like the Timberwolves because apparently they're trying <laughs> to make the Bulls 2.0. Yeah, oh yeah, Ooh. good point. Or the Kings or someone like Buddha who has... Someone signed Joakim Noah. <laughs> So that's, I think that's why in 2019, everyone's like, oh, there's going to be so much cap space because a lot of the, the 2016 contracts, a lot of them are up in 2019 yeah. and the four-year deals from then are going to be expiring deals, which is like, they're completely movable contracts at that point. Right. 
I mean, there's a lot of losers in the, in the NBA, but um... <laughs> that was very sober. <laughs> like a lot of losers in the NBA. I mean, if you're not like if you're not the Warriors or the Houston Rockets, then pretty much a loser, or maybe in Boston. Um, but any other losers? Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. I think we covered all the biggest yeah. losers. Chad, do you have anyone else that we didn't yeah. get to? My, my only other big loser is the Hawks. Um, they, they're, they seem like the Knicks right now. They have no identity. They have no sense of direction. I mean, you could say that about literally half the East. No, that's not true. I think a lot of the teams in the East have a direction. You know, the Bucks, like the, the, the Giannis is their like runner, and the non-playoff teams too. I think the Knicks have a general sense of direction. You know, uh, even like Char- Charlotte, like they're trying to keep an identity with new Kemba Walker. But the problem with the Hawks is. It didn't. It didn't make sense starting with the, the draft. Why they did what they did. Uh, why did they trade Luca? That made no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> and and if they were going to trade, why didn't they trade further down and get, try to get more assets? You know, like instead of just trading two picks down yeah. and and taking a flyer, which I mean, maybe maybe if uh, Trey Young is able to be the electrifying superstar, it'll, it'll fill the seats. I mean, I think he'll be able to hopefully fill the seats a little bit better than Luka Doncic would if, if he's able to score his threes and get shots off and at least be somewhat efficient, but... Trey Young is just AI without the handles, that's all he is. <laughs> the dude hasn't even played the NBA game. I'm sorry, but that's, that's what I call it, like I see it. So call it, call it, like I see it. <laughs> Just jacks up shots, but I just I, they're not gonna win with just Trey Young. No, but you know, you know what? A lot of teams fall into this trap. So like the guys running the Hawks now are the people. They're from like Golden State, like the GM of the Hawks. Now he was like an assistant GM of Golden State. So the first thing he comes in and he drafts like Trey Young, a and, shooter, and he's like, oh, like this guy. Steph people Curry. already were making Steph Curry comparisons. He's like, I'm gonna draft Curry. Then he drafted uh, Kyle Herder or Werder. So I hope I'm saying it right from Maryland. Who's supposed to be a Clay Thompson-like player? Oh, and, yeah. You know, the, like two shooters for his like modern-day backcourt got rid of Shooter because that was part of the old regime. And it's just like I feel like people think that they could just like Curry and Thompson. There's going to be like you can't find them again. Like they're just two of the maybe five greatest shooters of all time. Like it's like you can't just replicate that and be like, oh, I'm going to do the same thing. Like I think the safe pick there was Doncic, and they, they didn't even do that. Yeah. What's well, I don't know. I, the, the, the Hawks are turning into the, the kings of the East, at least right now. Who knows? Who knows? The kings of the East, yeah. Oh, the Nets don't have that title anymore. That's all I'm glad about. <laughs> no, yeah, Nets, Knicks, they're, like, they're looking up. But it's now the Hawks are definitely the worst team in the East. They're clearly tanking. But I clearly want to just get, sorry, get your ideas or thoughts on what the Bulls did this offseason. Uh, what did you guys think about that Jabari Parker contract? I don't think it was a misstep. Um, definitely more talent than they've had in the past couple seasons but it, Jabari Park I don't think he's not the guy that's gonna take you to the promised land I'm sorry about <laughs> the best it but. part about Jabari was in his opening press conference he already pretty much came out and said I'm not gonna play defense because <laughs> he's like defense isn't what, what gets you paid when someone asks him like about his defense yeah. so he's pretty much like yeah I'm just here to score I mean they're one of the few teams that actually spent a lot of money this offseason you know they uh, Zach Levine got his new contract they signed Jafari Parker to his new contract. Do you think they should have matched that uh, offer sheet for Levine or not? 
Uh, that's a lot of that's a, a lot, lot of money. Of money. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a four year commitment. At least Parker's is only one year. Yeah, like it's a two year deal, but one year, one year plus second year's a team. Yeah. But Levine's they're committed to him for four years now. Yeah, and, and the other thing that's kind of scary is these two guys are young. Maybe they're the identity of your team, but they're both injury prone. Yeah, and what, what was the one thing that was holding Chicago back in their previous iteration? It was injuries mm-hmm. with Derrick Rose and no. uh, that guy. Uh, what's the the GM name? Uh, Gar Foreman. Gar Foreman, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like, you know, he. They're trying to do both. They're trying to, like, get young guys, but they're also trying to build build an identity for the team, and I don't I don't think they really have one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it's like they, they have, like, 2D. They have um, Marketed, and now Wendell Carter looks pretty good. Yeah. It seems like that's who you want to build around, and maybe Chris Dunn, like, as your point guard. And then. But, yeah, I, don't, I mean, Jabari's going to come in there. He's going to look for his own scoring because he's on a one year deal. Right. That may stunt the growth of uh, Wendell and marketing. So, I mean, although although the good thing is they did get Wendell, who looks like probably the best the best pick in the top ten, in my opinion. Yeah, at least from the summer league, the best pick in the top ten. I mean, the, he look at him and play. Yeah. Well, in, from the summer league, that's why I said yeah, from the summer, summer league. Because yeah. like he was able to do things that he never got the chance to do at Duke, which was like you, you knew he his defense was like you know. Fine, but you never got to see the offensive prowess. I mean, this yeah. guy's got post moves that I didn't know he had. I mean, before I started, he was like a guy who like gets <laughs> deep in the post and can lay it up. Like that's about it. But he's he's actually got like moves that usually guys coming out of college don't have those moves. Like this is like you know, like, oh work, go a summer and work with the dream and try to make, <laughs> work on your post moves. Like Amari Stoudemire and all these yeah. other Roy Howard did. But yeah. like this guy actually has post moves. And yeah. That's something rare in the NBA. He could be a guy that can bring back some of the. You know, big guy talent back. Yeah, I mean, this happens sometimes because in college you're just playing there for one year. There's no system, and he's playing with Badley, who's taking away a lot of his uh, opportunities. But and it seems like he got leaner in the summer, like after after the college season ended. I mean, it makes sense now. This is actually his job to be fit. So, uh, well, if that was every time then Jabari Parker would come into shape every year. <laughs> but, so, yeah. would Mello. And so would Mello. So would Mello. So Mello more like car marshmallow. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, the funny part is, he, he, sorry, he was never on the banana boat. Like, people always associate him with the banana boat. He's never physically on You think the he's salty boat. about that? That's why he didn't go to the Lakers? Yeah, he's probably dragging past him in his yacht because he doesn't like to give up any money. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Mel's always looking out for himself. So he's like, I'm not on the boat. He told Gabrielle Union, you can take my spot on that banana boat. What's funny is Chris Paul was in the banana boat crew, but he wasn't in the same drafts as them. Yeah, but I think the thing is, like, it's because they were friends from, like, like the AAU circuit oh, yeah, and stuff, yeah. and Chris Paul stayed longer in college, so I think they made it, they were all like in the same year. Yeah. But yeah, alright guys, glad we got to finally do this in person. Absolutely, we finally got our uh, booze pot on <laughs> the first time. Yeah, we've been talking about it, finally got to do it. Alright, signing out on this pod. See you. Hey guys. <laughs>